This is the murderer you know. Let's get going. We were talking about the creepy shit sisters. We were talking about the creepy shit sisters. The black (laughs) sisters, as it were. So welcome back. Thank you. This is a part two. I haven't said that in a while. (laughs) I'm thinking I should get a long black dress and a veil (laughs) to to get into the ambiance of the episode. (laughs) I agree. You could hear all that silk rustling instead of just my squeaky chair. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That would be much better than the squeaky chair. Have you ever seen those old shows where they show you how they used to make sounds on the radio? Oh, yeah. Like horse, somebody, somebody, thumb. Mm -hmm. They would just crinkle things and bang on things. Fascinating. Very fascinating. I think they still do that, to be honest. Like for movies, (laughs) for movies and stuff. There are people who are sound engineers. I watched a video recently of a lady making all different kinds of sounds for movies and stuff. I I guess it could have been fake news, but... Couldn't they just steal it off of a computer? They don't have to stand there and actually hold two shoes in their hand and thump them on a desk to make the sound of somebody running. Probably more affordable and easier to pay someone to make fake sounds (laughs) than to pay an engineer to make them on the computer with artificial intelligence or something. I don't know. We could have horses running through our podcast. We should just have it playing in the background the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, how about the theme song from The Lone Ranger? (laughs) Is that? Ooh. No. Oh, what's that? (laughs) I don't know. It did sound sound familiar. Well, so. So this is. Let me recap. Oh, you're going to recap. Okay. (laughs) Well, hold on one second. This is episode 60, a part two. If you didn't listen to 59, go back and check it out. And mom's going to give us a recap so you can know what you need to go back and check out. All I remember. Don't give too many spoilers, mom. Then they won't go listen. Three batshit crazy sisters who decided to dress all in black (laughs) with veils over their faces who ran their private school into the ground and then fled to three different states, I believe. Only two. Okay. It seems. Okay. That was good. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The Black Sisters and Oshi and Fletcher fled to New Jersey and New York. That's sort of where we left things off and where we're going to pick things up from. Okay. Now, once settling in New Jersey, Oshi and Fletcher actually had another public wedding. Okay. Remember their wedding had been a big secret. That's true. But when you say public, are they standing in Times Square? (laughs) Everyone in their town was invited? No, I think it was just (laughs) a wedding that people actually knew about and there were guests and an announcement in the paper and all of those things. All those things. And it was for a number of reasons, I guess. One apparently being that the majority of the family members who may have previously been opposed to the union now supported it for whatever reason. 
And another being that the family was unknown in their new home and the community they joined didn't necessarily know that they were first cousins. Uh-huh. I wonder and if that was illegal in New Jersey. I'm not sure, actually. I didn't look up which states were and were not against first cousin weddings in the ni- in 1900. <laughs> I think 1910 at this point, right? 1908. Oh, 1908. Mm-hmm. I wonder, are there any states that allow it in 20, what are we in, 2023? We're going back in time, over 100 years ago. Which people Cousin marriage is legal in yes. Alabama, Alaska, California, Colorado, Connecticut, D.C., Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, North Carolina, so many. First cousins? Huh. Yep. 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 Wow. That same year, young Oshi gave birth to their first child, a little girl Ooh. named Mary, who okay. sadly passed away within the first couple of days of her life. Oh. Yeah. Poor Mary. Hmm. In 1909, Oshi became pregnant with her second child. And while she was still relatively early in her pregnancy, in April, And the child was born in August. So I guess she was maybe five months pregnant. Yeah. She and her husband actually left for Canada. But unfortunately for Oshi, her aunt, when they learned that she was pregnant, went to Canada and retrieved her, bringing her back to New York. Did they leave Fletcher up there? Or did he follow his wife? He didn't. Actually, he took up a job as a cook under an assumed name. And why is kind of a mystery, I guess, depending on whose version of events you believe about this whole crazy family, but we'll kind of come back to that in a little bit. I'm assuming he was living under an assumed name so his crazy aunts couldn't find him. Yeah, I think that's the version of events I'm going with (laughs) as well. They've already ruined his life once. I know. Now they've stolen his wife, so maybe they've ruined his life twice. They've killed his brother, maybe. Oh, God, I I forgot about that. I'm sure they would say they did not do that, but it could seem to him that way. He could be in fear for his life. True. Let alone it being ruined, but actually being ended. And maybe if he was living under an assumed name, they couldn't collect life insurance on Fletcher because he didn't exist anymore. (laughs) Maybe. Once Oshi was retrieved and brought back to New York with her mother and her aunts, and as her pregnancy continued to develop, her health began to fail. Hmm. Hmm. Is right. A doctor who was called to look at her sometime before the birth of her second child said that he found her suffering from depression, general weakness, and malnutrition. I can understand the depression. And maybe that letter to not wanting to eat? Maybe. Oh, I'm getting the feeling there's more to come. He also said that she, quote, seemed depressed and indeed afraid of those about her. He continued to visit the home where the sisters were all living at the time. And he found that his instructions for the young woman's care were not being followed. On top of that, the three sisters were simply not cooperating, and they were not paying him. (laughs) 
eventually he stopped visiting and mm. stopped caring for Oshi. Poor Oshi. I know. The sisters then called another doctor who was so concerned about Oshi that he actually started smuggling her food after seeing her condition. Did she say anything to the doctor like, they don't feed me? She might have been scared. And I also think that her aunts were always there. Oh, when the doctor was there. Mm -hmm. She maybe got a second here or there to try to quickly convey something. Shortly after her second child, a son who she named David was born, the same doctor snuck in a window to check on her, but her aunt Virginia actually caught him and kicked him out. Wow. Why didn't they call the police? You mean the doctors? <laughs> yeah. Well, this guy was actually so concerned that he met with a lawyer to see if there was anything that could be done for the young woman, but the lawyer told him that there was nothing that they could do. Well, maybe. How old was she at this point? She's Certainly. like 24. Yeah, I mean, she's an adult. It's not like she's a child that they could say, oh, well, she doesn't have any say in the matter. Funny. The laws were probably different back in 1909. And I think also it was sort of still a time where young women were charges of their family and her husband yes. was gone. So True. she had nowhere to go. Later in August, the original doctor, the one who wasn't getting paid, so eventually stopped showing up, he visited Oshi again, and he, I don't know if he was surprised, I don't know why he would have been surprised, but he found her to be in even worse shape than before. I don't think that seems surprising based on the no. story so far. <laughs> Not at all. He also learned that the baby had been born in poor health and taken to a hospital and then later placed in an orphanage, all without Oshi's knowledge. Her aunts and mom told her that the baby was born dead and just took him away. Wow. They didn't think He's... that she could handle the trauma of potentially losing another child. They basically were just making all of her decisions for her. Sounds like... At the time of this visit, Oshi's Aunt Virginia asked this doctor to tell Oshi that she was dying and to instruct her to write a new will. But instead, out of concern for Oshi, this guy hired a nurse to care for her. But Oshi's aunts and mom fired the nurse after just one day. And then the sisters said they could not afford to pay the bill that the doctor sent them. So they offered to make him a beneficiary in Oshi's will as well. They owed him a hundred dollars and they offered him a thousand. Interesting. Which seems questionable to me. Especially if he accepted. He did not. He declined and believing that Oshi was, quote, under some hypnotic influence, end quote, he decided to move against the family once again and try to protect her. Guess what he was going to do? Call the police. He was going to call the freaking police. But before uh, he did, he decided to visit the house one more time to check. I don't know what it's been like months. I don't know what he was <laughs> hoping would miraculously happen. But he found that the house had been abandoned and the sisters and Oshi were gone. There's not a soul there completely empty. The family next surfaced in September in Brooklyn. This is, it's just gets, I can't even read each next line of my notes because I'm just like, 
what the actual fuck? So listen, it's September, a month later, essentially. And Virginia visited an attorney and asked him to help a dying woman prepare a will. When he arrived to the home to help Oshi prepare her will, he waited as her aunts and mother chanted prayers over her, all in black. When they were done, he asked the young woman if she wanted to prepare a new will, and she said she did. He was, like both of the doctors that had seen her in the preceding months, completely alarmed and extremely concerned by her appearance. And he told her mother and aunts that she needed a doctor and she needed food but they responded that they couldn't afford either of those things. So he actually offered to pay for her care out of his pocket and he asked if he could write them a check. Wow. Yeah. When the sisters left the room to go and look for a pen for that check, the lawyer talked to Oshi, who told him that she was dying and gave him her will, which she had been keeping in secret under her pillow. Uh Aha. In her will, she left everything to her grandmother in a trust for her son. So she knew her son was alive. Somehow she found out. I don't know if one of those doctors told her. Now, the grandmother is not living with these nutty sisters. No, but she was living in New York. So when they all left the school, she left too. She's living somewhere close by, but not visiting her granddaughter, who's being starved to death. She's definitely got to be super old by now. Well, if Oshi's 25, let's say her mother. Remember, her mom was older for the time when she had her. Oh, that's true. So let's say her mom is 60. Yeah, the grandmother. Okay, so the grandmother was born in 1828. So she was 81 by this time. So definitely older. Yeah. Maybe not out and about visiting people. Also, during this quick, maybe a couple of minutes, while while these insane people are looking for pens, <laughs> Oshi also asked the attorney to be her executor, and he agreed. After this conversation, the sisters asked him to make them beneficiaries of the will and tried to bribe him by offering him $7,000 this time, which by the way is right around $230,000 in today's money, which he refused. Didn't they say, didn't they tell this guy or was it somebody else that they didn't have money for food Mm -hmm. or a doctor? Mm Mm-hmm. But But isn't it also interesting that none of them were starving to death? It is very suspicious. They seem to have plenty of food for everybody else, as far as I can tell, (laughs) from the outside looking in. It's hard to tell. They were all covered in black. They could have been bone thin (laughs) under there. It's true. They could have been. When this guy refused the bribe, they fired him. I hope he left with her will. I hope so, too. By the next month, in October... Virginia and Oshi had moved again. And she was still alive? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like I should say they had allegedly moved. This time, they were in an unfurnished, unheated, literally empty, other than two cots, a rug, a chair, and a barrel for a table, apartment in East Orange, New Jersey, where Oshi had settled with her husband the year before. I remember East Orange. 
Now, sometime during October, this is kind of unrelated, but I thought it was very interesting. Sometime during October, Virginia was actually served as a defendant in a lawsuit for non-payment on a new piano that she purchased. She's just out here being fucking fancy while people are starving. But she didn't pay for it. She didn't pay for it, but... (laughs) This is the part I found just absolutely fascinating. Her response when she was served was, quote, wait until we bury our dead, end quote. Wow. Oh, she was still alive, by the way, when she said that. Near death, certainly from lack of food and medical (laughs) attention and probably water and God knows what else, but she was still alive. Poor child. Hard to imagine that people could treat their children like this. They could treat anybody like this. Yeah, it's pretty hard for me to imagine treating anyone like this. On November 29th, 1909, shortly after 4.40 p.m., police were called to the, I don't know, home, if you can call it that. There was an unusually calm, soft, southern voice on the other end of the phone who told the officers that there had been an accident. Tired of waiting for the long haul and decided just to have an accident. Police sent a physician to the home who climbed the stairs and was greeted by Oshi's aunt, Virginia. Now, this part of the story is told from his perspective directly as he told it. Virginia led him down a dark corridor to a door at the end of a hall. When he turned the knob and pushed the door open, he saw a beautiful young woman lying in a half-filled bath. Her legs were doubled up over her knees. Her left hand was wrapped loosely around a washcloth. Her head was completely submerged in less than a foot of water. She weighed only 80 pounds. Mm. Dr. Simmons, the physician, looked around the room for other information. He noticed a pile of clothes near the tub and pinned on the top, there was a note. He picked it up and he read it. It said, quote, last year, my little daughter died. Other near and dear kindred, too, have gone to heaven. I long to go there, too. I have been very weak and ill a long time. Death will be a blessed relief to me in my sufferings. When you read this, I will have committed suicide. My sorrow and pain in this world are greater than I can endure. And it was signed, Oshi W. M. Sneed. I wonder, do people write their full names on suicide notes? Hmm. Good question. Their last name and everything? I don't guess it depends. I mean, it was a formal... Yeah, it was a guess... different time. It was a different place. That's true. I'm sure that depends on each individual, even now. Very like the true. time that my sister wrote a birthday card to our dad and signed it with her first <laughs> and last name. I think he knows who you are. <laughs> Wasn't she like five? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, she was older than five. Your father's birthday is coming up. So maybe you should remind this oh. particular sister to be sure to sign <laughs> Both their first and last name in case absolutely dad, dad doesn't know who she is exactly. Good idea. <laughs> Initially, Dr. Simmons suspected that he might have been dealing with a suicide. Yeah, well, yeah, he had a suicide note. Mm-hmm. Seems kind of like a given. Yeah, almost open and shut-ish, but now Virginia, still absolutely calm. 
identified the woman as Oceana, her niece, and told him that she also had a four-month-old in a Brooklyn hospital and that she had been, I'm doing air quotes, which, you know, as usual, (laughs) no one can see, but that she had been widowed seven months before. But the sisters, in my opinion, and I feel like they were smart enough clever, cunning, but they, they were forgetting something really important in my opinion, which is that they weren't in a small rural town in Virginia anymore. Right. And the police force where they were now living was significantly more advanced, significantly more experienced (laughs) dealing with violent crimes and crimes in general. Right. And I mean, no offense to small town Virginians everywhere. You guys know that's where we're from too. But I feel like there was a big difference in the forces in these two locations. Well, not to mention that people in the small town knew them. And I think sometimes you can get away with stuff because people would say, well, they wouldn't have done that. Nobody in New York knows them. They'd be like, who are these psychos dressed in black? Well, except for you're forgetting that at the end, they really had alienated themselves from their community entirely. And people did think they were psychopaths and weirdos. Right. With weird fashion sense. (laughs) Okay, so the police, the earlier setting for my favorite show, Law and Order, they were on top of it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It turned out Dr. Simmons was suspicious from almost the moment he entered that bathroom. Good to know. For one thing, he could tell that Oshi had been deceased for at least 24 hours. And nobody had noticed. Oh, well, she went to take a bath last night. Have you seen her since? Yeah. In fact, Virginia, (laughs) when asked, Virginia actually told him that this was because her niece asked not to be disturbed. So she just let her do whatever she wanted, apparently. And when Dr. Simmons left the home, which he actually believed must have been unoccupied leading up to the woman's death. In other words, he thought they just took her there to kill her. He didn't believe the story that anyone had been living there in any capacity. Mm. He immediately stopped at the nearest phone and called a veteran detective who went straight to the address given to him by the physician. Aha! Finally, somebody is doing something. Unfortunately, much too late. Unfortunately. I mean, not that people didn't try, but I don't know. Virginia was tight-lipped and reluctant to let him into the house, Hmm. but she eventually did, and he had her arrested as a material witness after she refused to speak with him, even though she did let him inside. After her arrest, she told him that she had arrived 10 days ago from Brooklyn, but she otherwise refused to cooperate, declining to give Oshi's maiden name, her background, or any other facts that the detective felt were relevant to the case. And the circumstances screamed homicide to him. I'm with him. He and his team interrogated Virginia pretty relentlessly, Where was the mom and the other aunt at this point? They didn't know anything else that was going on. Who, the police or the aunt? They have nothing other than this girl's name is Oceana Sneed and this is her aunt. Okay, so it's just Virginia and Oceana were living in this bare apartment. You need to put air quotes around living. But yes, supposedly Oceana and Virginia were living in this empty, unheated, 
candles. I don't know. Did they have electricity <laughs> at that time? Yes. House. But apparently they had running water. Apparently. So the investigators bombarded Virginia with questions. Because remember, they smelled bullshit from moment one. They asked things like, how did Oceana write such a clear and intelligent suicide note in her weakened state? How <laughs> could she drown in such a small amount of water? Which is a silly question because we know that that does happen to people. But nevertheless, they asked it. Does it really happen to adults unless they're drunk or they fall down and clunk their or head? Or they're trying to drown themselves, which <sighs> is the narrative. I guess. They also believed that she would have saved herself in some sort of reflexive action going under the water. Right. And at this point, the investigation really began in earnest. Hmm. The detectives found the sister's previous home in Brooklyn. They learned another woman in black had been visiting the residence. And they learned about a physician that had been making house calls as recently as six days previously. And lucky for them, he was very willing to come forward. Since remember, Good. that's what he was trying to do anyway when they disappeared into the night. Yeah. He told the officers that Virginia had asked him to provide a certificate of good health for her niece and that Oshi was weak, but generally in good medical condition. That's what the doctor said? Yeah. I thought she was malnourished. That's what he said. Interesting. I also thought the part about the certificate of good health was interesting. What it made me think of is how you have to be of sound mind to write a will now oh maybe so maybe. were they trying to show that she was still healthy enough to write a will yeah but what 24 year old writes a will if they're in good health true they also found a copy of her will and eventually in several abandoned warehouse spaces and rooms and basements and other previous known residences of the women including that empty new jersey apartment they found several life insurance policies for Oshi, as well as a great deal of correspondence, letters, legal papers, and other bits of evidence. Next, the investigation even turned up Oshi's air quotes dead husband, who oh. was, as we know, working at a logging camp under an assumed name. The name he chose for himself was John Lucas. I wonder how they found him. I don't know. Seems like these were the best investigators <laughs> of all time. It was the Pinkerton detectives. <laughs> and Fletcher did speak with the police, but he absolutely refused to return to the U.S. Yeah, I can understand why. I wonder if he was distressed that his wife was dead. I wonder that too. Maybe he was just glad to be alive and away from them. The evidence revealed that in recent years, the sisters had taken out at least three life insurance policies on the young mother for $7,500 each, and they had been taking loans out against those life insurance policies mm. as their social standing continued to decline. 
That's interesting that a life insurance company would loan money against the life insurance policy. I guess things were different back then, and they'd sell you a life insurance policy, then you'd borrow against it, then mm-hmm. they would sell you another one. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. I wonder if these were all with the same life insurance company. Good question. You know what they did not find when they were searching the house where Oshi was currently staying? A bed, a a stick of furniture. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but also a pen, blank paper, or pretty much anything she could have used to write the suicide note. Uh Aha. Maybe she flushed it down the toilet after she wrote the it's note. It's possible. Anything is possible. Did they have flush toilets in 1908? I think they did. In big cities like that? Well, I yeah. forgot. We're in East Orange. I don't really know if that's a big city. Yeah, we don't. We need to investigate East Orange more. We do. We do. So nothing she could have written a note with. No. Next, of course, there was an autopsy. And in the autopsy, the M.E. ruled that Oshi's cause of death was drowning with starvation as a contributing factor. Wow. The autopsy report also revealed a small amount of morphine in Oshi's blood. Apparently, her aunts and mom had been giving her morphine for postpartum pain. Maybe just to keep her quiet so she didn't moan so much about starving to death. And these autopsy results, on top of everything else, to be honest, but these autopsy results really turned the tide against the sisters. Finally. Shortly after, they found Mary living in a basement with her mother in New York City. She really didn't provide much information but she was placed under surveillance as opposed to being arrested at the time. Remind me again who the mother of Oshi is. The mother is Caroline. Right, Caroline. Or, Virginia, or as you said, <laughs> as rumor would have it. <laughs> yes, according to the rumor mill in Christiansburg, Virginia, Virginia was the mother But I think, honestly, that rumor was probably not to discount the credibility of rumors, (laughs) especially in 19, oh, whatever. But I honestly think that the sole basis of that rumor was that they were both pretty. But why do they have Mary under surveillance? Where are Virginia and Caroline? Virginia is in jail. Oh, good. Thank you. And Caroline? They don't know where Caroline is. Oh, this is, you know, it's during the investigation. They're finding the sisters. They questioned Mary, but they really didn't think she had too much to do with it. And I guess they didn't think they had any reason to hold her. Okay, but they're watching her because she might lead them to Caroline. On December 7th, the family held Oshi's funeral. Mary, remember, under surveillance, was the only family member to attend, well, of the three sisters was the only family member to attend. Her mother, Caroline, was nowhere to be found. The detectives Hmm. believed that Caroline was the brains of the operation, and they really needed to bring her in to bring their investigation to a close. How hard could it be to find a woman who dresses all in black with a veil over her head? 
you'd think she'd kind of stick out like a sore thumb. And let me tell you, she didn't <laughs> stop dressing like that to try to be incognito. <laughs> because within the next couple of weeks, her signature look betrayed her after a witness spotted her as a guest at the Bayard Hotel, dressed all in black, with the cape to the ground and a heavy black veil. Well, we're glad that she didn't give up her signature look. <laughs> a look is important. It's a statement piece. It was her whole personality. Exactly. So Caroline was arrested, and I guess she must have said some things implicating her sister Mary, her younger sister Mary, because two days after Caroline's arrest, Mary was also arrested. Okay, so now the three matchers are in prison together. Yes. Oh, I wonder if they took them out of their... Did they have prison clothes back then? Well, women were only really allowed to wear dresses, right? So do you think oh, well, they yeah, wore like a jump dress instead of a jumpsuit? <laughs> I would imagine they put them in some grim flower sack type of attire. Yeah, I have no idea. Just a sort of a long, shapeless, mm -hmm. rough material. Maybe it was black. That would have made them happy. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that would have required dyeing the fabric, and that's a cost. True. So I'm guessing it's just your basic, basic. Oh, she, by the way, was buried next to her father, her seven-year-old brother, and her infant daughter. Oh. Poor Oshi, poor everyone. Not the sisters. I'm hoping you're not saying poor everyone, including those three psychopaths. I'm talking about Oshi, her father, her seven-year-old brother, and her infant daughter. Exactly. Mm. So by December 22nd, all of the sisters were in custody and they had been indicted for murder as well as for aiding, abetting, and counseling Oshi in committing suicide. Wow. Yeah. Now here's, I feel like I've probably already said this a million times in covering this case, <laughs> but here is maybe the most fascinating, I don't know. When Caroline was arrested... Three more suicide notes were found in her possession in the same handwriting as the one found with Oshi and signed with Oshi's name. Ah. When Mary was arrested, another bundle of suicide notes with the same handwriting was found in her apartment. How many suicide notes did they need? <laughs> Guess they were really trying to get it right. Practicing, uh, the handwriting, what would Oshi say? That's my interpretation. <laughs> Ooh, this one sounds real good. Oh, I like the stationery that we used here. <laughs> Psycho. I, what else did they have to do? There weren't a whole heck of a lot of <laughs> hobbies in 1909, were there? Oh, women painted and sewed. And... These bitches were not doing any of that. <laughs> Red they were books. plotting and scheming and practicing their fake suicide notes. True, true. So these ladies are obviously, there's a trial and it's coming. There's no way out of it at this point. <laughs> but the series of unfortunate events for the family did not stop after they were arrested. Mm. The trial date was initially set for April 1910. But 
delays and issues were just popping up left and right. First, Gee, I thought that only happened in modern trials. I thought back then they it got to it. Apparently not. First, Virginia grew ill. Then hmm. the sister's elderly mother died. And finally, Oshi's nine-month-old son passed away. He was in a hospital or something, though. I think he was in an orphanage by this time. Uh, I wonder if they had life insurance policies on all those people. I wouldn't be surprised, but I certainly didn't see anything about it. Also, the husband of Oshi, the father of this unfortunate child, I guess he didn't know he had a child or didn't care. He didn't Surely. care. She was pregnant when he left. Mm. Five months mm. or so. Maybe she could have still been concealing that, but she originally went with him and her aunts and mother knew she was pregnant. So they came and took her back. He must have known too. And I guess he didn't fight for her. No. The baby, David, was also laid to rest with his grandpa, his uncle, his mother, and his sister. Now remember, I mentioned that Virginia was sick. Yeah, right. As it turned out, in prison, Virginia started feeding her meals to the rats. And despite force feeding, she eventually passed away. So she starved herself to death. How appropriate, considering that's what they did to Oshi. I know, some sort of demented poetry. Yeah, I guess she wasn't willing to spend the rest of her life in jail. I guess it depends on if you think she was involved or not. At the time, <laughs> the newspapers reported that no one was sure if it was suicide by starvation or if she had simply fallen ill. Later, her sister Mary said that she was just so guilty over Oshi getting sick and dying that she couldn't take it. Was it that or was it she was guilty about her part <laughs> in killing someone? Hard to say. <laughs> I find it hard to believe that somebody this unbelievably self-centered who would murder God knows how many of her relatives would have spent one moment feeling guilty about killing any of them. I'm sure it was a totally selfish act. So now we got two sisters facing trial. And the trial, speaking of, because of all of this, was pushed to September of 1910. But authorities yes. were hit with another roadblock as the two youngest Ward Law siblings, Albert. The yeah, the Reverend Albert. And Bessie, the baby. She ain't no baby no mo. Began proceedings to have their sister Caroline declared insane. This was due to her tirades, her outbursts, and her extremely irrational behavior, as well as the history of all of those things and various mental health struggles throughout the course of her life. Across several months, the two babies of the family produced almost countless witnesses who attested to Caroline's strange behavior throughout the course of her life. But Caroline herself argued that she was completely sane which doesn't that just make her look insane maybe 
Well, somebody dragged me off and all of my siblings showed up and said, this woman is batshit crazy and has been batshit crazy forever. I'd probably say, no, I, no, I'm not. I'd probably be very hurt. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I could see that. But this woman has been crazy for a long time. And Seems that way from the story as we've found it over a hundred years later. And the judge agreed with her and ruled that she was competent to stand trial. Oh, huh. yep, yep, yep. Wow. Well, you know, there's, as we've discussed in previous episodes, there are degrees of crazy. And for a criminal case, they have to prove that you don't know the difference between right and wrong. And right. as whacked out as this woman is, I don't think that was her issue. I wonder if that was the law in the early 1900s as well. Yeah, I don't know. Because a lot of those laws develop over time from cases as they occur. Yeah, be curious, but I'm sure he figured she was competent and knew what she was doing. And I would guess that back then there was a much lower threshold for that. There wasn't all this guilty by reason of insanity, I don't think. I think that's a kind of a, a newer diagnosis or uh -huh. sentence mm -hmm. or judgment, however you want to call it. Since the judge agreed with her on January 9th, 1912, in a trial what? that lasted only one day. Wait a minute. How did we get two years later? The last time we were talking, it was September 1910. And yeah. I guess all of that, is she crazy? Is she not crazy? Let's get everyone she ever knew to talk about it. Took a while. Couldn't they have just driven to Christiansburg and everybody would have said, oh yeah, crazy. <laughs> so the trial- They would have finally... said, not only is she crazy, but she's a witch. <laughs> oh yeah, the whole- She did ceremonies thing. on our children. Right. Remember them walking through the graveyard? She pushed nephew off a train and burned him on in a fire. They would have had a lot to say. <laughs> so two years later, in a trial that lasted all of one day. Caroline said that, <laughs> I don't know. I want to take it seriously. I do. <laughs> she said that her child was in a pitiable state and had become a morphine addict who daydreamed of suicide. Hmm. She told the court that on the evening of her death, she accidentally gave her daughter an overdose of morphine and panicked. So her daughter, she claims was a morphine addict, but she mm -hmm. was contributing to her addiction by giving her morphine instead of trying to get her off of morphine. That is correct. Hmm. Okay. Maybe she thought it would help with her mood. I guess, again, it depends on who you believe. She said that she was worried about her daughter's mental health, that she didn't think. Same kind of reason why they took the son away. She was depressed mm. about her baby dying. They didn't think she could handle another baby dying. They didn't think she was doing well with the baby being taken away either. They claimed they were doing it for her own good. But if you heard other members of the family tell it, I think outside of the sibling group, Caroline had basically hated Oshi from the day she was born and wow. had allegedly tried to starve her to death from childhood and many times since. It just is 
one of those things, again, that depends on whose side of the story you believe. So she gives this defense that she overdosed, but oh, she still killed herself in the tub. No, I think in this version of events, they, because they, there was really no way they had to find a way to explain away having bundles and bundles and piles of suicide notes, right? Oh, so they claimed she had written all of them and they just kept No, they wrote them. They claimed that they wrote them. So they accidentally gave her the overdose of morphine panicked and then in an attempt to revive Oshi, Caroline filled the bathtub with cold water and dumped her in. But Mm -hmm. when it was clear that nothing could be done to save her, she fled. Then remember the ME said, actually the seasoned detective that initially came said (laughs) that it was very clear Oshi had been dead for more than 24 hours. Their story is after she died in this accidental overdose, then they came up with the plan of making it look like a suicide. They wrote all these notes, they staged the house, and then they called a doctor and said there had been an accident. I think they'd been writing them for a while, but that's just me. So this is her defense. It was all a terrible, hideous, horrible accident. Yes. This is her defense, but... The prosecution said that kind of agreeing with you that she and her sisters planned to kill Oshi for quite some time for $32,000 in life insurance payouts. Mm-hmm. This is over a million dollars in 2023, by the way. Good Lord. How? Why? Can you still, can you still get a life insurance policy for a million dollars? Oh, I'm sure you can, but you'd have to pay a lot for it, I would guess. Yeah. Let's say your husband works and you don't, you have five children. And if something happened to him, you know, you might want a million dollars as kind of a cushion to get through the initial grief and keep paying the mortgage. I think there's actually an insurance that if your spouse dies, your mortgage is paid off. So there's still some Mm. funky insurances out there. But you know, my question is, what did they need the money for? All they ever wore were black dresses and veils and lived in houses with no furniture. What did they want this money for? Remember, I think they... They were from a rich family. They grew up rich. They had been rich for decades. They had been a family of high social standing. I think they were just trying to return to the life that they were used to. Remember, who was it? Virginia recently bought a piano that she hadn't been able to pay for. I think they did want to get a nice house again, get pianos, get fancier black dresses. (laughs) I don't know. They were just addicted to money. Well, apparently. They just liked killing people. Who knows? It's a combination. One of those things that maybe, maybe the first person, maybe it was accidental, Mm. but they had an insurance policy on them and they were like, shit, this guy died and we got all this money. We got a lot of siblings and nephews and kids here. Let's figure (laughs) out how to turn this into a paying gig, you know? Yeah. I think sometimes that happens. You slip over the line one time and it's like, hey, hmm. who, who would have thunk? That kind of worked out. <laughs> Accidental serial killer. Well, now you say the trial lasted a day. Were Caroline and, and Mary being tried together? No, that was just Caroline's trial. So actually, this is this is interesting too. 
Caroline was actually offered a plea deal Mm. if she pled guilty to a lesser charge of manslaughter. So she wasn't sentenced by a jury or anything like that. She took this plea deal for manslaughter. And then since accessory to manslaughter was not a legitimate charge at the time, I don't know if it is now, by the way, but it was not at the time, Mary was freed. There was nothing really that they could charge her with. Watching her niece starve to death over several years? But that would be accessory to manslaughter, I guess, which didn't exist. I think they could have come up with something. Being a total asshole. So Caroline, even though they had her pretty much dead to rights, they give her a plea deal. Yeah. And? And? She only got seven years in the New Jersey State Prison. Well, did the insurance company pay out or did they say no way, Jose? I think they said no way, Jose, but that wasn't really addressed anywhere. So she only gets seven years. And she was horrified, apparently. She was so shocked. She sat in her chair in the courtroom shrieking, I do not deserve it when her sentence was read. (laughs) And she actually had to be carried from the courtroom in her chair, still screaming. I wonder if they let her wear that stupid veil in court. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> there. I don't think there's really a dress code. Well, yeah, I think in a way, because it would be considered like a disguise or something. I mean, they had to be sure that it was her there and not just some other washerwoman in a black dress with a veil over her face. So she didn't understand that if she took a plea deal that she'd actually have to spend some time in prison. Maybe not. Hmm. Too bad they just didn't give her the death penalty. But you know, I think back then they were kind of reluctant to sentence women to death. Well, there was, and I mean, it's been a long time since we did our episode about capital punishment, and we mostly focused on Virginia, but there was a time, and I think it was sometime in the 1900s up to 1974, where states did kind of stop capital punishment for a little while, but also I don't think you can be put to death for manslaughter. Well, no, but they could have, they could have found her guilty of murder. They didn't have to give her a deal. Especially after all that time, golly, well, maybe they just wandered it over. And Mary just gets to go home Mm -hmm. to her empty apartment. Her mother's dead. I wonder if her siblings took her in. No, actually, Mary moved to live with her only remaining son in, well, not remaining son, actually, because Fletcher was still alive off hiding in Canada somewhere. (laughs) But her only remaining son that wanted anything to do with her, who was living in Colorado at the time, and then they eventually moved to California together, where she spent the rest of her life. But they carried Caroline's ass off to jail in her chair, (laughs) where she immediately started working to file an appeal. But after only two months, she was moved to a mental institution where she also stopped eating and died on January 13th, 1913. Wow. What Mm -hmm. an end. What a bizarre story. Very. And her autopsy showed some clogging of the arteries, but again, no one could really say for sure whether her death was natural or a suicide. 
And the real kicker is years later, evidence actually emerged that she had poisoned her husband and pushed her seven-year-old down the stairs and with her sisters doused her nephew with lamp oil in his bedroom. That was the child of Mary. Mm -hmm. And she was in on this? Apparently. And then her other son took her in? Boy, I hope he locked his bedroom. Maybe he didn't like his brother. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Mary gets to live out a long life. Mm -hmm. They should have kept uh, Caroline's brain in formaldehyde so they could have. They probably did, to be honest. That's the kind of (laughs) shit they used to do back then at that time. (laughs) Well, I was just thinking if they can tell, I guess certain mental diseases make lesions in the brain. Like I think if you have Alzheimer's and they do an autopsy, they can say, oh yeah, we see the evidence of, they could have found evidence of schizophrenia or whatever. I wonder if they had that knowledge then, since I don't think they really took mental health. Even now we don't super take mental health seriously, but I wonder if they knew how schizophrenia makes the brain look different. I don't even think schizophrenia was a word back then. Mm. I think everything was just sort of- Hysteria. Yeah, hysteria. I think women were You just need a hysterectomy and you'll be fine. (laughs) I think women were hysterical and men were violent and crazy. When you think about the first mental hospital, Bedlam, which is now a word we use for craziness. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, people of all different emotional issues were just taken there and locked up. And unless you had a family who would send food or pay the jailers to look after you, most of the people probably just starved to death. It's awful. Yeah, I I think there was also probably because of religion, people were considered possessed by devils, a lot of crazy people. Oh, yeah, there's definitely been those exorcism movies are based off of real life events. There have certainly been exorcisms like that, where behavior was blamed on demons and possession. Yeah, for sure. So and that probably goes back a long way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, as you say, I don't think mental health is... There's a lot more understanding now, and I think people sometimes have a chance to get some kind of help. Hopefully things are getting better. People are taking it more seriously as a real medical condition. And I do think that is one of the advantages in the world we live in today is that you can see your therapist online. You don't have to go to an office. That might be the one good thing that came out of... Yeah, the world shutting down. Right. That's so much. I don't think it was as common pre-2020. Oh, I don't, probably not. It probably didn't even exist. But in the COVID shutdown, people even had to have their doctor's appointments mm-hmm. online and talk about their symptoms and get a prescription called in. So maybe we're finally getting a little bit better dealing with mental health issues and people are getting more comfortable talking about it and it's very normalized now to go to therapy i think even probably 20 30 years ago people might have made fun of you for prioritizing your mental health (laughs) i don't think that's as common now i think especially with men was just like suck it up buddy stop being a wuss you don't have to suck it up and you're not a wuss buddy (laughs) put yourself first (laughs) imagine the possibilities 
Well, if I had read this story in a novel or watched it in a movie, I would have said, this is this. made up. Yeah. Fantasy. And fiction. it's like they say the truth is stranger than fiction. Mm -hmm. This definitely proves mm -hmm. it. And there's sadly so many of these really, really crazy cases. Yeah. This is definitely not the first time you've said truth is stranger than fiction. And I wouldn't have thought this was a real thing that happened. I was actually kind of looking online after the first episode because I'd never heard of this mm -hmm. and saw a bunch of books that people have written mm -hmm. about these nutty women. Mm -hmm. Flash forward to 1930. In an interview, Mary spoke to the press, hoping to clear oh the air about her sister's. That bitch was still alive in 1930? Well, she was born in the 50s or 60s. Well, yeah, so she's like 80, I guess. Yeah. Well, okay. Her mom lived a long time, yeah. so I guess not. She said that Caroline had been negligent and irresponsible when dealing with her supposedly mentally ill daughter. <laughs> as That's how she told it in 1930. Okay. And of Virginia, she said, quote, my sister Virginia was an angel on earth, incapable of such an act. She was almost too good for this world. She was the best woman in the world. And all this horror simply crushed her. That's why she killed herself before the trial. Wow. Delusional. Only seven years later, in California, Mary died in October. She was 88. And Fletcher, maybe our only other, well, the only other remaining character that we followed through to the end, died right. in California as well on January 12th, 1955. So he finally left Canada. He did. I and guess that's once. the end of our tale. I guess once all those crazy women were dead, he felt like he could come back. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward next week to getting back to maybe normal murders, whatever those are. I don't know. I guess I'm the only one, but I kind of like the really old ones. <laughs> oh, they're it interesting. It was horrible and sad and awful. I'm not saying it wasn't, but it just feels... I probably just sound stupid, but it just feels a little less real. Well, that's true. So because long it, ago. It, it feels like a book or a movie because mm -hmm. it just is so strange. And it really makes you realize how much law has changed. Mm -hmm. Going back to our eighth great grandmother, the horrific torture punishment mm. that they oh my inflicted God. on yeah, murderers that was back crazy. then. That would keep you on the straight and narrow, if you ask me. I wouldn't want to have every bone in my body broken. And then what did they do? Set you on fire or rip you to shreds or something? It was horrible. Well, modern research says that negative reinforcement does not work. <laughs> but sounds like it would have worked for you, Mom. It would have. <laughs> I grew up in a time when parents believed that negative reinforcement was a very positive way to make sure your kids behaved. I don't think the people from the greatest generation, if that's <laughs> who they were, right, were right. known for being the greatest parents. Oh, I just, I disagree. 
when I compare kids from my generation with God, kids of today, I think maybe spare the rod and spoil the child was maybe a good. Ooh, uh -uh. <laughs> I'm not here for it. All right, not here for it. Okay, that's a whole other topic. That's on Mom's other podcast. <laughs> the torture <laughs> child abuse no it's support called, podcast it's called capital punishment <laughs> support podcast it's called spare the rod at your own peril podcast. Oh, that's scary <laughs> you guys can check that pot i'm just kidding it's not a real <laughs> podcast but if you're liking this podcast, we hope you'll keep joining us. We hope you'll email us, murdereryouknow at gmail.com. And I actually posted, what did I post? A family tree. Oh, yeah. Pictures of all of these people. Yeah. Last week, there's going to be more pictures this week. There's going to be a crazy picture, front cover of a newspaper that I found from this. Wow. Wow. So it's going to be fun. Check out our social media and be sure to give us a follow. We're Murderer You Know Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Do you have anything okay. to add? For the, I had to take this part out, but my dad just came in and screamed at my mom <laughs> for talking and cackling too loudly. So I'm scared to ask you if you have anything to add. No. Whisper. <laughs> okay. Good night, everybody. Well, that shit was crazy. And it by was. the way, I know I said I like these old cases, but murder is bad and don't do it. It's not going to be cool, even when someone is reading your story in 112 years. <laughs> right. Okay. Behave yourself. Bye-oh, bye-oh. Bye.